Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. It's Thursday, 21 December. I'm Simon Brown coming at you loud and recorded from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Wandeli Shalobo, Chief Economist at the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, looking back at the agri-sector in 2023, some real challenges, but overall not a bad year, and employment in the space is growing. Mateta Tulari, Head FX Execution at RMB. The Rand has lost 12% this year, but that doesn't tell the story of what's been a volatile year, filled with load shedding, grey listing, and rising rates. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. I'm chatting with Wendili Shalobo, Chief Economist at the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. Wendili, appreciate the time today. Fair to say, 2023 has been another decent year for for farmers broadly across the various different uh, farming sectors in South Africa. Thanks for having me on, Simon. Uh, I think you you are right uh, in saying that, but I would segment it, uh, Simon, and say uh, it's been a decent year for a majority of subsectors with the exception of one. Because Mm -hmm. you may recall that we could dissect South Africa's agriculture into broad three subsectors. To say field crops, that's where you include all your grains and all seeds and sugar cane. And then you have your horticulture, our fruits and wine, and then you have their livestock and poultry. And I would say on the livestock and poultry, there's been a number of challenges, but everything put together is still a reasonably decent year. I would, I would agree on that point. The the, the, the poultry, well known, of course, the, the avian flu, which has, has swept through the, the, the sector with, with, with dev, devastating uh, impact. Is, is that being managed? Is the worst behind us? Is it still a challenge for the space? I would say, Simon, on that, uh, the challenge is still uh, with us, but there's a number of interventions that have been uh, put Mm -hmm. in in place. Uh, I mean, the first one was to say, look, we we have now this outbreak and the spreading, and can we make sure that our biosecurity system is strong? By that, I mean the measures that we put in place to control the spread of the disease. And I think the government and the private sector were able to do that. The second part then was to say, look, we are running out of stock. Can we import some fertilized eggs Mm. to rebuild our parent stock flock? And I think that's something that has been underway and, and it's promising. And the aspect of saying, can we import some of the powder and the flu and uh, uh, fluid eggs so that we can be able to use those powder eggs in baking industry so that we take a little bit of some of their whole eggs and mm. put them into the retail shelf for people. And I think a combination of those measures and the other aspects that the businesses themselves are taking on a private side has somewhat stabilized uh, their supplies. But of course, on a financials, you yourself have discussed the, the food companies' financials, particularly yeah. those with exposure in poultry, and they're feeling the impact. Uh, livestock, what's been the challenges with, with livestock? We, we chatted livestock middle of the year. It, it's a space within agriculture, certainly, I think, uh, gets overlooked by a, a lot of investors and, and, and the broader South African population. Absolutely, Simon. And it's an important one, because if you think about livestock along with poultry, they make up about... 48% of the gross value added of South Africa's agriculture. Mm-hmm. So you could argue and say half is this. And the key challenge there in livestock has also been 
the animal disease, what we call foot yeah. and mouth disease. You may recall at the start of this year, you and I had a conversation mm-hmm. where we talked about some of the key things. And I was mentioning that we had foot and mouth disease in about six of our nine provinces in 2022. Um, and these challenges continued into this year. And of course, when you have these diseases, it does mean that you are taken out of some of the export markets um, and the trading in general and livestock somewhat slightly less than what we had seen in the previous years. And also just the, 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 the mid prices were under pressure for the first part of the year. And those are some of the things that I think they weighed on the profitability of the livestock. And I will add there very quickly, Simon, and say even the pig industry had challenges on mm-hmm. the African swine fever south of Johannesburg and some provinces also experienced that. So I would say if you think about livestock, piggery as well as a, a, a poultry it's for the first time really where we're seeing south africa having an intensity of all of these three diseases african swine fever foot and mouth disease and avian influenza at the same time and also when feed prices for those that are in poultry and in livestock were just starting to come down and offer them relief from the past two years of higher feed prices so those were the challenges i would say they weighed on the subsector of our agricultural economy. You mentioned exports as well uh, there and, and, and ports. I mean, we've seen the this, this story. We've had issues with Transnet with the rail lines. Uh, ports now also struggling. Uh, that must be must be hurting. I'm thinking particularly the citrus farmers down in, in, in the Western Cape who want to export out of Cape Town. Absolutely. You know, Simon, if I were to rank to you and say, uh, let me rank some of the maybe top three problems mm-hmm. that South Africa's agriculture faced this year. The first one would be the one that we just discussed, animal diseases. Yeah. The second one would be ports. And the third one would be load shedding. Quickly on the ports one, I'd say for the first nine months of this year, we did reasonably well on exports. I mean, I'm looking at the data now. For the first nine months of this year, South Africa exported agricultural products worth $10.2 billion. This is up 1% compared to 2022 Mm -hmm. levels. Now, we worried about the last quarter of the year to read those numbers because we've already seen then in the last quarter the issues in Durban, the issues in Cape Town Harbour, they will weigh on the activity for the last quarter going into the first quarter of next year. As you know that at the end of the year, it's a period of exports of deciduous fruits, table grapes and wine going into January throughout uh, February. That's the heavy activity in the Cape Town port side. So when those numbers come, I'll be curious to look at that. And I do think that they will show a bit of a slight moderation from the good momentum that we had seen in the first nine months of the year. Load shedding, uh, is that predominantly irrigation when when, when crops are being irrigated? Uh, and, And then, of course, I imagine processing as well. Absolutely. And you will appreciate the fact that all of our fruit and vegetables Mm. are under irrigation. And when you think about the field crops, 20% of maize under irrigation, 15% of soybean irrigation, almost a third of sugar irrigation Mm. and the other crops. Now, at the start of the year, we were fortunate in a sense that as load shedding intensify and farmers had input all of their own uh, energy generation sources, uh, we were also in a La Nina period, which mm. really assisted us with good rains. But I would say from a finances perspective of the farmers, they've had to put, put out a lot of money to put alternative energy sources. But yes, at the start of the year, vegetable farmers did feel the impact poultry sector felt the impact and throughout the food processing and value chain and the abattoirs they did feel feel the impact of that but i think 
instead of the output, it shows more perhaps maybe on the financials of those that had to invest um, in these uh, alternative energy sources. Yeah, we've seen that across the value chain, the, 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 the extra money being spent. You mentioned La Nina there. Of course, we're expecting an El Nino, which is a more drying uh, environment. It, it seems, I mean, we've certainly had some heat waves around the country. Um, rain's perhaps been a bit, I don't know, weird happening. That's probably climate change. But it certainly hasn't been as devastating as, as the droughts of, what was it, eight or nine years ago? Absolutely. And we, we remain uh, fairly optimistic <clears throat> that uh, going into the whole of 2024, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we will actually continue to see some good rainfall uh, uh, for much of South Africa. The South African Weather Service says there could be good rainfall, more so in Central and Eastern South Africa until March 2024. 20, uh, From there on, we think that then El Nino will intensify. In our eyes, it seems like the, the the moisture from the past four consecutive seasons of La Nina is assisted in as far as planting. And these uh, recent rains, of course, they've added uh, that much support. But we are worried about heat waves. In recent weeks, we've seen stronger heat waves across yeah. South Africa. And if anything, in Europe, we saw how devastating these heat waves could be. And I think for me, Going into March 2024, the one thing that we have to monitor is the heat wave and the impact of it on the crops. Um, That's the one thing that we will be watching. And if then we, we assume that it becomes moderate, and we do get the rainfall, we think that the season could be decent. But I think this is a key upside risk we, we need to keep an eye on. A, a recent tweet you just put out around uh, employment in the sector, just short of a, of a million jobs in the agricultural space, which is back to 1990 levels, which is, I mean, it, it, it's what our country desperately needs, employment. And i got to say, I was surprised. I would have thought efficiencies and yields, mechanization, uh, employment would be trending down. But no, it's actually moving higher. Now, uh, it's very encouraging to see that we have more and more people that are actually working in agriculture. And I tell you what, Simon, if we can get the 2.5 million hectares of land that is currently on the government's land holding account mm-hmm. into full production, I still think that we could see a nearly another million jobs being created in agriculture and agro-processing. Because that's what uh, 2012, the National Development Plan said. They mm. said, look, there could be more jobs in agriculture and more in agro-processing. And I think that those jobs will be there. And some people may have worried to say, with the recent increases in minimum wage, um, there's perhaps maybe uh, job losses in agriculture, but the numbers are coming up saying, look, yes, the financial pressures are there. Yes, the wages are rising. But farmers seems to be understanding of the need uh, for them to create work and pay decent wages, and the, the, the numbers are promising. Yeah, and of course, if we double the employment, we would also significantly increase exports. That would help as well. And Dili Shalobo, Chief Economist, Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, always appreciate the insights. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, Beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. 
I'm chatting with Mateta Tolari, Head FX Execution at RMB. Mateta, talking the round, it, it, it's been a tough year for the currency. We've seen some dollar strength. We, of course, got grey listing. We had Lady R. Yet the currency is only about 11% weaker, although that doesn't tell the story. Uh, we were close to 20 at one point against the dollar, and, of course, we were also under 17 at other points. It has been another roller coaster. Yeah, good morning, Simon. I suppose another interesting year for the RAND. I mean, if you also take into account the global economic growth in the first half of this year, you know, hitting 2.8%. And then until now, if you think about the monetary tightening drags that have been offset by fading supply shocks um, following two big events over the past, uh, you know, three years with uh, COVID-19 and also the Russia-Ukraine um, yeah. you know, geopolitical tension. And I think if you think about also the third most probably other key impact has also been global policy rates that have risen by almost 400 basis points, which obviously is impacting interest-sensitive uh, spending and obviously sensitive countries like ourselves. But if you think about South Africa, I mean, you know, if, you know, besides the Lady R and also the grey listing issues that we've had, you know, the other big focus issues for us have also been load shedding, uh, Transnet, ESCOM, the low growth, the structural reform, all of those things have also, you know, contributed to where the RAND is. And then when you just look at a global perspective on things that are obviously impacting the RAND, the geopolitical tension out of Russia and Ukraine, that's still ongoing. And then coming to the fore was the Israel-Palestine, uh, you know, geopolitical tension there. And also, you know, if you focus on the other side of uh, the U.S., I mean, there's been focus on the labor market, you know, the inflation and interest mm. rate talks, the U.S. Treasury yields, uh, the volatility, whether we're going to have a soft landing or a hard landing, that's also had an impact on the RAND, obviously, given the volatility. And also OPEC cuts in production, that's also had an impact on the inflation basket locally. We've seen uh, obviously over the past couple of meetings holding, uh, you know, the, the rates, but also those things are obviously impacting the RAND. If you think about also just from um, a, you know, a global perspective with regards to China, Growth in the first half of the year was strong in Asia, where we saw GDP gains um, averaging about 5.2%. We know that we're a big exporter to the likes of China. You know, I think much of the lift came from China's reopening and obviously their ending of their zero COVID policy. Um, at this point in time, China is on track to deliver about 5.5% gains for this year. Um, but obviously, I think everything, as we said, I mean, it's going to be really data dependent, uh, like the global central banks, uh, governors have said across the globe. So I think going into 2024, there is still a lot to look forward to. I take your point on that. It is, I mean, and as you go through that list, I mean, it almost gets, you know, it, it points it frankly quite spooky for what has happened quite crazily. If we look, I think two things really going to drive next year. One, obviously, is rates coming down globally, uh, South Africa as well. I think we can agree that that probably will end the year with lower rates. Uh, when they start, we can debate that. But that could be good for the RAND. And then a lot of elections happening. We've got local elections probably in May, the US in November. I mean, it's almost 80 countries, 59% of global GDP goes to the polls in 2024. Could that have uncertainty and impact on currency? You're very much right, Simon. I think that list that we've mentioned, it seems like very much the same themes and then getting overlaid um, by the political issues that we're going to have. Now, I think for me, 
there's you know issues in terms of is it going to be a hard landing is it going to be a soft mm-hmm. landing you also need to look at inflation across the eurozone and also the us i mean there's two schools of thought at this point in time where you know the one point of the market is talking about potential cuts from march or towards the the the, the latter part of may there's also talks about persistently high inflation will keep pressure on central banks, meaning that there could be further further tightening lying ahead. Um, even though inflation has moderated in recent months, it remains uncomfortably high for some central bank governors. And there is also some talk that potentially the Fed will also be holding throughout the second quarter of 2024. It just shows you that how different the market is despite us getting the same uh, you know, pieces of information. And also, I mean, as everyone says, I mean, is it going to be a cut or no cut? And um, you're right. I mean, the big points I think for us as we start going into 2024, we're going to be obviously running very hard. If you think about it, we start off the year with already a monetary policy committee meeting. We've got the February budget speech from Minister Godongwane. Um, That also is going to be quite interesting, especially given the fact that the budget speech is going to be three months ahead of the May elections. And also, Don't forget that, obviously, like you said, we do have the U.S. elections. But in between all of that, there is still going to be central bank speak. There's still going to be, I think, the two eyes that we have been speaking about for the past two years, which is inflation and interest rates. Those two themes don't feel like they're going to be going away anytime soon. I think what you also need to be looking at is also uh, what happens from an OPEC plus perspective. The mere fact that there's been so many meetings happening there, the talks about supply cuts, I think that is also going to be something that we really need to look out for. The mere fact that the geopolitical tension already in Israel and Palestine and also Russia and Ukraine, I also think we also need to keep an eye out in terms of what's happening in China as well. You know, all the talks about, you know, the tensions there and the policy uh, there. So there's a lot to really digest. And I think 2024, I think the same themes will still continue, but overlaid by all of these things as we start uh, the year. Yeah, it's going to be, I do suspect it's going to be another one of those sort of years. The last question, and we've chatted around this before, typically sort of towards the end of the year, just before Christmas and into the new year, we actually do see some rand strength, uh, partly because uh, I suspect, you know, the importers by now, if you haven't imported your Christmas inventories, you're, you're just simply too late. But we do typically see a bit of strength over that period. So it's a very interesting one, uh, Simon, because if you think about it, I mean, um, over the past couple of years, December has traditionally, from a seasonality perspective, been a very strong month uh, for the RAND. I mean, there's been a few anomalies. If you remember Nendegate, we did see the RAND weaken. That that happened in the month of December. Also, if you remember, uh, when Ramaphoria came into effect in 2017, uh, we did see the RAND strengthen quite significantly. Also, another point where you did see the RAND weaken in the month of December was in 2016 when Donald Trump uh, came into power um, as you know as the US president we did see the RAND weakening um, again um, last year around this time you remember that it was the ANC's elective conference with President Ramaphosa being elected for the second time we did see a bit of RAND strength there make no mistake already again also as we go into this weekend it is the ANC's uh, you know uh, NEC meeting that 
but also we're not expecting too much from there, but anything is possible um, in politics. But yes, traditionally, <laughs> December has been a bit of a strengthening uh, month for the RAND. But, you know, this year, I think we do have a few own goals that we need to concede. And obviously, I think this is why we are seeing ourselves um, up here. I mean, traditionally, um, you know, in a month of December, we're quite in down. The mining companies are also starting to wind down. There's not much export proceeds. You're right. Even the importers really uh, winding down shop. And obviously, a lot of manufacturing companies also going um, into December year. And it has traditionally been very thin in terms of liquidity. Um, at this point in time, you know, it's a very, you know, interesting time because we are finding ourselves at 19. Um, I think it's really a signal of investor confidence into the country and sentiment into the currency as well. Um, we do know that obviously load shedding is going to be quite an important, uh, you know, factor in terms of contributing to the economic growth of the country. We know that these supply disruptions are really going to impact us. The numbers that have been coming out uh, over the past few weeks have not really been great. And I think this is obviously shown um, in the currency. And I mean, also um, in the bond space, it hasn't been a great time um, in the bond market, which also shows you that obviously it is feeding through into the investor sentiment uh, of the country. And that's reflected in the currency. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I take a point, a lot of own goals coming through. We've got to manage that process. We'll leave a demo to Tulare, head FX execution RMB. Always appreciate the insights. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with JP Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. That's it for today. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWare website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, Purple Group and Renogen. Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday. For more business, finance and investment news. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast.